This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we're coming to you on a Wednesday night after playing Wednesday after three straight defeats. And I'm sitting here with a smile on my face because the run of defeats has come to an end as we put Sheffield Wednesday to the sword and Brentford ran out winners 3-0 at New Griffin Park. And it was a mighty, mighty relief to see them actually win that game. My name is Billy Grant and I'm sitting here in the virtual joint on a Wednesday night. I took a bit of a gamble as after the game. I thought, sure, I'll tell you something. If we... If we decide to record after the game, we're going to go for a victory because that's positive-minded. And they've come up with a victory, so I'm very, very happy about that. And I'm sitting in the virtual joint with me chums. I've got the Allard in the house. The Allard, welcome back. Yep, hello, Bill. Um, three games, three, three losses since I was last on. So good to bring the winning form back to the Besotted Podcast. It's great to have you back as well, the Allard. I've also got the Dutchman in the house. The Dutchman, how are you? I'm very good, Billy, mate. Uh, three games off, three losses. Good to be back in the house with a win. Mm, OK, there seems to be a bit of a theme <laughs> running here as well. And I've got Edward the Headwood. We haven't had him on for a while. The Edward, how are you doing? I'm really good, Billy. Thanks for having me back. It's nice to be uh, back on the pod. And clearly, when my presence comes back, I think we get a cheeky 3-0 win. Mm, OK, so I think all of you are trying to say that, you know, basically the, the squad rotation that I put in has actually put a, put, a, put a win in place. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I think that's I think that's the way it is. I tell you something, I planned this very hard. You know, in the day, I knew that you guys needed a bit of rest. I know that your your mouth muscles actually get really tired if you're actually doing too many podcasts. So I had to rest you for a little bit, but I knew that if I brought you back for this game, you'll actually do the business. Yeah, well, mission succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, you know, it's not nothing nothing like <laughs> plotting up things wrongly and then and then making out you've got it all right, is it? But anyway, look, this is a happy day for us all. We're sitting down here, it's a Wednesday night. We've just as I said we've just played Sheffield Wednesday. And tell you something, we've got quite a lot to say about that game. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go here, I'm gonna just have a little bit of a drink and I'm going to have a little bit of a break, and then I'm gonna come back after the break and we're all gonna talk about Sheffield Wednesday. 
Sheffield Wednesday came to the TWA area and the last time they came it was quite momentous. Five goals scored, Brentford won that game, last game ever at Griffin Park with fans. So Wednesday coming back again, <laughs> to be fair we, we needed to sort of kind of preserve that memory of, of winning and, and, and happiness and everything else that we've had and the sadness of leaving Griffin Park behind. So if they had actually got anything you know, uh, today I think it would have been a very, very sad day. So I'm very glad that the team mucked in together and did the absolute business. The Allards, I mean, we were having a little chat before in our little pre-meeting and we were actually very impressed by the way that Brentford went about this match, weren't we? Yeah, to some extent, I guess we were. Um, I mean, I think the, the thing is is that you, you always compare your performance to your last performance and the one against Coventry was horrible, probably close to the most horrible performance of the season. Um, so we didn't have to do a lot today to improve on that um, and we certainly did improve on it and, and actually we did something else that we haven't done for a few games and that, and that was we created quite a few chances today. You know, it was, a, it, it, it was a good performance against a, let's be honest, a limited Sheffield Wednesday side. I mean, yeah, it was very limited. I mean, we're going into the stats a little bit later because, to be fair, they, uh, they, were, they were struggling when it came to doing anything, and especially in front of goal. And maybe we had a, a couple of um, you know, opportunities that if it was another team, maybe it might have been a little bit of a tighter match. But that didn't really matter because for us, the most important thing was getting a result. We've gone, listen, we're not a bad side, as we've said, but we've had three really bad results, which has knocked our confidence. And all we needed to do is to basically get on the pitch, score some goals, win a game and get everybody's confidence back up again. And that's what we did. It was a rejig team, though, as well, because obviously, you know, we've got a few injuries uh, this match. And so we had to rejig the side. And also the fear was obviously with Marcus Force also being concussed. He wasn't a striker, so we didn't have a, a designated striker actually playing up front. The Dutchman, did you think that you know the rejigging of the side was okay? Yeah, I think he did um, what he needed to do in terms of not making some of the perhaps drastic changes that a few of us or a few of our um, colleagues were uh, suggesting in terms of the youngsters and you know all sorts of team selection shenanigans. Luke Daniels in midfield and you know Bistrop up front and all that craziness and I, I thought actually he kept his head and picked a fairly sensible solid team and once we got started it, it looks like a, a decent team um, that the nerves were there Sheffield Wednesday were made for us tonight you know they didn't offer very much and allowed us to get into it but however we'd won tonight was, was going to be a good performance and I thought we did all right and you know bizarrely at the end and, and I thought bringing the Tony and De Silva on was quite bizarre but you know bizarrely at the end with those two on you suddenly think well they might start next game and Norgard could be on the bench and Macondes is there you've gone from a drastically ravaged team to one that you know without Rico obviously and, and that's a massive loss but uh, is getting back to possibly the strongest one again so uh, all in all a very successful evening I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Antonio and and, uh, and De Silva come on when we were still one nil up? Was that was that right, or were we two nil up at the time? I, I thought we were one nil up at the time. I'm not sure. And, and do you, and do you think? I mean, if that was the case, that you know, Thomas Frank thought actually, we we we're still not kind of putting them to bed. We need to kind of get a sort of like an insurance claim on here. So he decided to bring those two guys on. Or do you think it was more just to get them a little bit of game time? I think it was it was a one nil. I haven't I haven't checked, but I think it was one nil for Tony certainly. Um, 
because at the time I thought that's that's quite a big shout. Um, I didn't expect to see him unless you know it became one-one and we were searching for a winner. Um, but it, but it paid off. He's obviously not as badly injured as we feared. Uh, as soon as he came on, he he takes defenders away and he makes defenders worry about him. And space opened up not for him but for the others around him. Um, and obviously we, we scored two goals after he joined us. So um, delighted to see him back, not just for his goals but for for what he brings. Edward the Headwood, there was massive discussions going on because obviously we lost Rico Henry, which is a, which has been a massive blow for us. And the fear that we have is that we're going to lose our wing-back option because he is vital to the way that we play our football, vital to the attack. Um, we weren't sure whether or not Mads Beck Sorensen was going to go there or not. We thought that maybe Fosso might do, but we thought that if Fosso went there, then we're going to miss him up front. Thomas Frank, to be fair, he actually put Mads Beck Sorensen at the left there and he had a, a pretty good game, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, I, I think everybody kind of got a bit lost in themselves. Obviously, we, we knew what a big loss Rico would be. Um, and unfortunately, it did happen. Then we've sent Don, Don Tomlin out on loan. Uh, but the, the directors of football and those at the club know what they're doing. They, they've always seen Mads Beck as that replacement left back, if need be. Um, and I think he slotted in tonight. He did a really solid job. You know, we said earlier he didn't, really crossed the halfway line apart from to, to bundle in the goal um, but he did a solid job and he, he, he stood firm yeah I think it's um, I think basically what we did tonight was we said okay we're going to we're going to go over back four and normally um, when we have Rico we give the you know we let Rico maybe attack 60% of the time and Dow's guard 40 and they don't really attack at the same time and there's a bit of cover given tonight we rotated across and it was only Dow's guard that went forwards like Ed said, you know, Mads Beck Sorensen, I think he crossed over the halfway line to take throw-ons um, for corners and free kicks. Um, he, he seldomly did it, you know, in, in dur- during the game itself. Whereas what we saw from Dalsgaard today was in bombing forwards, I mean, and really getting that freedom to attack. Now, the thing, the, 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 there is a problem with that, is it then becomes a bit more orchestrated and it's a bit more obvious that it's always going to be Dalsgaard attacking rather than Mads. So, so you lose a bit of your sort of, you know, which side's the next attack coming from? If if you've got a, one of the um, one of the right back or sorry one of the full backs attacking, it's going to be Dalsgaard. But one thing one thing we've sorry to say, but one thing we've noticed uh, this season with Mads Beck playing as many games as he has is he has started pushing more from centre back and making a little bit more of a push and playing passes forward. So it was actually a change of roles for him back again to stay more. Uh, defensively minded rather than breaking out of it but don't you think also I mean it's here what you said there you know um, um, the Allards you know and the Headwood but don't you also think that we've got a situation where defensively we've been quite fragile the last three games and maybe Thomas Frank said tell you what let's just have a really really clear structure of what we're going to do we don't want to let in any goals so let's just be really simplistic about how we go about doing things particularly in this game, and, uh, and they went about doing it because obviously we've had to change things around somewhat. Madspec's going on the right, you know, so maybe he's just thought, tell you what, let's make it really clear. Madspec, you're going to defend, you know, um, Dalsgaard, you're going to attack, right, you know, and you two central defenders, you literally are just going to make sure that nothing comes through the middle. And don't, don't you think that might have been his, his thinking there? I, th- I think there was a bit more of a clear on-site policy tonight than we have done in previous games. Um, which is probably part of that defensive mindset of 
if we've had a tough couple of games of goals being going in and players are out of position, I think there was a lot more of, of you know, the balls bouncing around a bit, just put your foot through it tonight, which, you know, is not really the way we want to play or have played in the past, but it, 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 it got us a clean sheet tonight. It did, and talking about clean sheets, the defence, you know, we, and I'm coming back to it again, because for me, this was like the most important part of today, is like if your defence doesn't let in a goal, then you're not going to lose the game, and we've lost three games. And I just thought that they brought Breed in. You know, obviously Mads Beck went to the left-hand side, but I thought Reed was really solid tonight. He was, uh, you know, he wasn't spectacular as it is. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't doing all these flashings and, and doing sort of nutmegs of people and taking the ball out from the back, but he was like, you know, getting every ball that he had to. He had, you know, Jordan Rhodes pretty much in his pocket. You know, he was doing all these sort of kind of cushion headers and cushion passes off to his other players. And I just thought that he had a really solid game. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was good. He's a different type of player. Um, I- I'm not an expert on, on what he's like generally, but um, from his experience with us so far and tonight, he he's, he likes to dominate. He likes to win those headers. Um, you know, he wins more headers than Sorensen for sure. Um, he gets it clear, but I think he adds, probably stating the obvious, but in the same way that Pontus does, he just adds an experience and calmness and whoever plays alongside him will be better for that uh, for, for having that that head you can see that he organises and points and encourages uh, and I thought he was good and I thought the other defenders all played better because of him um, yeah and, and a lot of a lot of credit to Sorensen tonight um, you know he, he wasn't perfect but to, to be pushed out there it's not his natural position and he's you know he's a different size and build than Rico for sure um, but he did what he had to do, and I think he deserves a lot of praise for that tonight. Um, he wasn't the standout player, but he certainly wasn't the weak link, um, and, and respect to him for that. But I thought Dalscard on the other side had a, uh, an excellent game. I thought he made things difficult for them. He, he pushed forward, uh, he, he defended well, um, and was you know, back to the good Dalscard. The Allard, you were quite nervous about Reed coming in, because obviously, I mean, he hasn't played for a very long time. I mean, he played over in America, bits and pieces. You know, apparently his, his spell over there wasn't great. And like I said, he hasn't played for a while. So, I mean, obviously he's been training a lot with Brentford. So you're a little bit nervous. So are you kind of a little bit more kind of relaxed after seeing him play a few games now? Um, yeah, I think I think tonight was it was useful for him that he came up against Rhodes. I think, I think to be honest, that's the sort of player that he's going to be able to marshal. And Rhodes didn't get a sniff tonight. I think um, the next sort of challenge for him would be playing against somebody who's much quicker, who you know wants the ball played through um, to run onto and stuff like that. And, and, and we'll have to see how how he can cope with that. Um, it's something that Pontus didn't always particularly cope with, you know. Either sometimes he got a bit caught, a bit flat-footed, um, and and it could well be that Reed will be similar. But but look, you know what? When he came in, he hadn't played. I was I, to be honest, I was worried if he'd get through 90 minutes um, with his injury, you know, concerns from the last three years, and he's proven now that he can do that, and that's so that's a great step forwards as far as I'm concerned. Tell you what is interesting. Right, in that match we had three yellow cards. I think it was three um, yellow cards that we've got. 
Well, no, we definitely had three, but two of those yellow cards, which is the one I want to talk about now, two of those yellow cards were for a bit of activity there the last couple of weeks, especially last week when we played Coventry. We thought that maybe a couple of our players should have taken a yellow card for now. The question I'm asking you is that, you know, with me ranting on about how Swansea are cheating and hacking down and doing all this stuff and not allowing us to play our football, were you happy that our players stopped the Wednesday players in the act of actually kind of breaking out a defence and possibly setting them up for a dangerous attack? Yeah, lad. You always have to be careful with this, don't you? I mean, look, when Canos um, bought... Bought, bought the player down and took his yellow I was sort of yes I kind of thought we've learned a little bit from that because that looked like that could develop into something quite um, quite dangerous I didn't think you know I didn't think that Canos's tackle was particularly unpleasant or nasty Dale's guard I thought was pushing it a little bit more um, but you know and, and, and ultimately we scored a second goal with 10 players on the pitch and I think the, the, the player you know, was off the pitch from the Dow's card challenge. Um, I, I think if we're being honest and fair as football fans, and most of the time we're not, but if, if we are, I think we probably would have been a bit unhappy if that had been against one of our players. Who's you heard the Dutchman? Yeah, I, I mean, the words you're searching for, Billy, is of course shithousery. Um, and cheating. Well, no, it's cheating when other teams do it. It's shithousery when, when we do it. You, you know how it works. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, it's... We'd be annoyed if it was against us, and we have been, but without making justification for it, you know, most of my complaints about that sort of tactic is the constant niggly throughout the game, you know, fouls that don't get punished, don't get yellows, um, breaking down the play. You know, I don't think we did that in any shape or form. We we actually committed two fairly cynical fouls that we were crying out for against QPR. Uh, and both got punished with a yellow, which is what should happen. Um, it's you know, probably something in the rules is, is not quite right if we score when they've got ten men, um, and we all picked up on that at the time. But you know, having having fouls and getting yellows for them in, in standalone incidents, that's that's that is part of the game. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm not too upset that we did it. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd be upset if Wednesday did it to us. Yes. Of course, of course. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's important as well that you know that that Canos one, Canos as our longest-serving player. Um, you know, he's he's been around a bit now, and he knows the way of the championship. He saw that that developing into a quite dangerous attack, and clipped his ankles. But and as a defensive-minded player myself, like I do that all day long. You know, you, you've got to do what you've got to do to stop the other team scoring against you. And if that's taking a yellow for the team, then so Indeed. be it. Indeed. So look, look, listen, great result. But tell you what, I think we need to have a little bit more of a breakdown. So what we're going to do is we're going to go over to Will Alsop, the spreadsheet winker. He's been analysing this game. He's been the big smile on his face. And we're going to hear what Will had to say about the Sheffield Wednesday game. Spreadsheet So that's more like it then. After a dismal couple of weeks, it felt good to be back to winning ways, especially considering the struggle we've been having in terms of both XG allowed and created. In this match, Bees made 1.7 XG and Wednesday made just 0.11, with just one tiny speculative shot after the fifth minute. Bees took a little while to get going, and it was Brian and Burma who scored the opener in the 23rd minute. 
It was a large 0.39 xG chance from a Mazbek Sorensen long throw which he poked in off the top of his head. An excellent shot in the arm for the Frenchman after some poor displays recently. He was in the chances later on too, failing to poke the ball past the keeper in a one-on-one duel in the 79th minute. That one was a 25% chance. Saman Godosh had one of his best games in a beast shirt from central midfield, carrying the ball forwards well and creating three key passes leading directly to shots on goal. I thought people were slightly unfair to him when he missed a chance in the 54th minute, a difficult 5% chance which looked a lot easier than it was. But he more than made up for it next. His goal was the pick of the three for me, a powerful effort parallel with the edge of the six-yard box with just 5% XG. He also assisted Mazbek Sorensen's third goal from a corner, which the Dane headed scrappily home. And that one was a 25% chance, so credit to Mads for some good skill in directing the ball home. He had a solid game at left-back, playing much more of an orthodox role than Rico Henry normally does. With Rico, we essentially play an asymmetric back three, with Henry much higher up supporting the winger and midfielder on the left-hand side. Dalsgaard tucks in tighter with the centre-backs and provides more cover there, though he does also get forward as we saw today. His average position was actually over the halfway line, and his willingness to run the ball into midfield to break the first line of the Wednesday block was great to see. The large majority of his passes were forwards rather than lateral, and he connected the team down the right-hand side excellently. Now, what about those centre-backs then? They completely nullified the Wednesday attack, which was forced to go long because of a high midfield press from the Bees. Reed was imperious, winning 15 aerial challenges in the match. He also took a bit of the passing load off Pinnock, who looked much more comfortable who looked much more comfortable on his natural left-hand side. And the fact that Wednesday only managed one tiny 6% attempt in our box the entire match really shows how strong our back line was today. A huge change from the weekend where Coventry had two chances above 40% in our area. So there you go, Will, the spreadsheet winker. And he gave us the lowdown on that match. And Wednesday created very little way 0.11 was it xg compared to our 1.70 we had some good chances that we created they created very little indeed and there's not much to be said about that i mean just looking at the you know looking at the game how'd it go i mean you know brentford created a high number of chances relative to our possession you know we were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from set pieces as well strong at finishing you know we were aggressive and we caught offside often you know, but for Sheffield Wednesday, they had no significant strengths and they were poor at finishing. So, you know, for the Bees, you know, 12 attempts to three, you know, five from open t- play, two to, to Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, overall, you know, all the top players and who scored.com were Brentford players. You know, Godos with 8.8, Broom and Bumo 8.3, Mad Specs with 8.2, Winston Reed 0.8, and Stalsgaard with 7.5. So they rated our team very, very highly. They thought they played actually very, very well. I mean, just when you look at that, I mean, it's 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 back to old school Brentford, isn't it, the Allard? Um, yeah, it is. It, it's I, it's weird. I, I thought Sheffield Wednesday had a bit more than that. Um, I, that there was a, a chance that went through the guy's legs. That um, you know, I think we were maybe two 0 up at that point. Um, and in the first half, I thought there was another one as well. But it, you know, those numbers give us to tell us um, how that's rated by somebody else. So it it. It, it did feel. I think it's the first time we've won. Let's talk. You know, we've won on XG, or we've created more chances than the other team. If we don't want to talk about XG in a cold way, um, since probably before the Middlesbrough game, I think we've lost all of the games, or the other teams have, have had a higher XG rating than we have for probably six or seven games now, as well as the three losses. Um, so it was a really good turnaround tonight. I think. Um, I mean, to be honest, Sheffield Wednesday's attack was really just. You know, cross it, get the ball out wide and cross it. I mean, that's really all they offered, wasn't it, tonight? 
Yeah. And, and do you think the XG, as you talk about the chances that we created, do you think it's because we just were back to old Brentford? Or do you think it's because Sheffield Wednesday weren't very good? Or do you think it's a combination of both? Because, you know, as we know, and with any team, we know that the part of the problem is that you need to get a bit of confidence as well. If you, you know, you can see, I mean, we saw when Brian um, scored that, that goal and we thought, here we go. You know, his confidence is back because he's looked like a man that's bereft of confidence. And we thought that that might take him to a, another second or third level up, actually. It didn't, didn't quite happen. I mean, he still, to be fair, he actually set up one of the goals as well. And he was, you know, he was causing a few problems. But, you know, a lot of it is down to confidence. So I'm just wondering whether or not you're seeing it there. I mean, it's difficult with the Wednesday game, but you're seeing actually... I saw a bit more movement in Brentford. I saw the passing play. I saw them doing things that they weren't doing against Coventry. Or do you think there's the fact that they didn't press us like Coventry did and maybe we might be in the same problem again if we come against another team that does that? I, th- I, I think I think you're right. I think um, that what, what I would say about Coventry, and I didn't really want to emphasise this too much, is that the pitch was shit. And and when you're up against it and you're trying to play football and you're trying to play your way you're out of trouble when you come up against on a pitch like that, it is it is an absolute nightmare. And the other thing is is that force just for whatever reason we seemed incapable of playing to his strengths. I thought tonight actually we seemed better suited to playing. You know we sort of played Bremo really through the middle, but we did rotate and swap around quite a lot. And I, and, and to be honest, I just thought we 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 had a better game plan tonight. And um, and we succeeded in getting the ball to our front three far better than we did against um, Coventry. I'm going to ask you as well about that rotating front three because we were trying to work out. I said, who's playing up front? And one minute it was like Brian, you know, and Bumo. Then it says, oh, no, no, it's not. It's, it's Foster. And then, oh, isn't, isn't it Canos? And uh, it just kept on switching all over the place. What did you think of that? Why not? I mean, look, why not? You you haven't got a centre forward, so why not just rotate through the players? Give give the defenders something different to think about. If they're sort of drifting off, thinking I'm marking that guy, and then he's suddenly over there, and and Canos pops up in the middle, why not? It, I've 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 said it a long time. We should be doing it even with a centre forward, in my opinion. Um, so when you haven't got a centre forward out there, it's a, for me, it's an utter no-brainer. Indeed. So look, you know, talking about stats-wise, we're talking about how we're doing. Let's just quickly look at the table out there um, just on the Justice League and we're still top of the Justice League you know the XG charts whatever you want to call it so we're still doing the right things even though we've come off a bad run which is which is good you know so uh, Infogolf got us at the top there with Norwich second Watford third Borough fourth Reading fifth Muff sixth and Blackburn seventh and uh, as it's going across they've got us actually finishing second with Norwich finishing first as well but looking more at 5.38 which is always where we like to look because they do some very interesting analysis Norwich still at the top they've got 67 points at the moment and they predict them to be on 91 well they've got predict us to be in second place um, with 84 points um, we currently got 60 points I'm not sure if I took this before or after the game I thought it might have been just after the game I'm not sure if it's calculated it. and then Watford third place with 82 points so there's a bit of a gap between us and Watford Swansea in fourth place with 82 as well and Muff in fifth place with 72 points and Barnsley they've got in sixth place which is interestingly with 71 so they make Barnsley out to make it into the playoffs and so Christ almighty I'm not being funny but you know we've got to finish second place because there's one team that I don't want to be playing in them playoffs and that is Barnsley isn't it? 100% I think Barnsley have obviously shown up to be a bogey team for us the past few years Um, and I think they, they were sort of that catalyst for people following the 
just press Brentford as high as possible, put them under as much pressure, make them panic a bit. And if we come up against them in the playoffs, which isn't going to happen because positive vibes and swerve that, but one one team we don't want to have is Barnsley. The Dutchman, Brentford are back, aren't we? I mean, look, we've got a result. You know, it's very hard to tell how we're going to do against everyone because we didn't have a full team out there. We were playing a team who let's let's be you know let's be kind of Wednesday. They could have been better, but Brentford are back, aren't they? Well, they're certainly you know we're second and we haven't got a losing run uh, to worry about, and, and and therefore we're back. And it was a great result. I think back on the. Um, the XG bit, and I'm, I'm not an expert, as you know, but I thought the, the, the big positive tonight was there was there was a lot of chances that didn't really transform into probably XG-rated chances, but, you know, we had the opportunity to create um, a little bit deeper. You know, there were some poor decisions by Brian and Sergi and going offside and, you know, but, sure, but, we, but they were at least in the position to, to, to be able to make that mistake. Um, and you could see that by improving the passing and the decision making, we'd be back to creating you know, a higher volume of chances. Which was the really worrying thing about Coventry, you know, was that general not not just the result, um, but the complete lack of creativity and um, giving us anything really to cling on to. So in that respect, you would imagine the confidence uh, is back. Um, as I said earlier, I think you'll you know with the, with the players that will be back. Um, or very close to being back in the next week or so. Um, you know, we're back to where we were as a team with a, a very good chance of getting in the top two. Fingers crossed. So anyway, listen, what we're going to do, we're going to go over and we're going to get a little bit of facts and funk from JB. And he's going to tell us about playing Sheffield Wednesday on a Wednesday and also a team called Brentford Thursday as well. So let's check out JB's facts and funk. Jonathan Virtual here again. Just to get back to winning ways, we've recorded our 10th clean sheet of the season. Exactly the same as we had at this stage last season. Rico Henry has been desperately unlucky with injuries. Although tonight was only in the second league game he's missed in the last 77, in his five seasons with us, he's played 110 games, but missed 96 injured, with that number set to rise. As it stands, this season we're scheduled to play 12 League and Cup games on a Wednesday. This will be the most on that day of the week in our history, beating last season's seven. Tuesday is typically our favoured day for midweek fixtures, followed by Mondays. And this season, we played both matches against Sheffield Wednesday on a Wednesday, for the first time ever. Their name of course comes from the fact that Wednesdays were the day of the week when their founding members had a day off work. Back in the early 1900s, the businesses in the town of Brentford had early closing on a Thursday, and likewise their workers had a football team called Brentford Thursday, in the very early days of Griffin Park. They occasionally played there too, on a Thursday. So Stoke City, we have got them on Saturday and they cause us all sorts of problems the last well, few times that we played them. So we need to get a result from Stoke City. Now, they had a manager who came in and turned things around and they were doing very well and everyone's rating them and said they're going to be at the top of the league and doing fine things and they've got players and lots of money and all that kind of stuff. However... They've been slightly up and down. So I thought it might be best to go over to Stoke to find out exactly what's going down with the Stoke. So Ben Rowley from the YYY Files is going to give us the rundown on Stoke City. 
Hey up guys, my name is Ben, I'm from the Stoke City podcast, The YYY Files, which isn't a podcast that usually talks about the games that Stoke City are either upcoming or they've just had reviewing them, uh, but then Billy has asked me to come on Besotted to talk about our game at the weekend and I'm more than happy to do so, so let's jump straight in. Stoke's overall improvement this season, I mean, that's fairly easy to say, uh, we were relegated uh, in 2018. The season after that wasn't great. We were expected to be promoted, we never were. And then we had a terrible season under Nathan Jones, nearly getting relegated. Michael O'Neill saved the day. And he's built on that. And we're making a playoff push this season, which is really exciting from the outside looking in, especially and certainly from our early season form as well. We were we were really good looking with Tyrese Campbell up front. But then with him missing it's been really difficult for us. We had a really bad spell over the Christmas period without him, without the likes of Stephen Fletcher and Nick Powell as well. We've had a couple of bad injuries, like every club has had, but we've suffered massively. And I think it just shows our squad depth isn't quite there to be challenging for the playoffs sustainably. You never know, we might sneak in, but I think it's going to require a big run of games, big big run of fixtures this season. Um, but we've shown massive improvement you know no signs of getting relegated um and it looks like we're gonna have a strong top off finish if not pushing for playoffs michael o'neill himself again he's he's saved our club really from being in league one but his flaws are starting to come to the fore it's hard to pinpoint exactly what they are at this point but i think it's just inexperience within club football particularly and working with i think some of our players it's it's difficult that he's not been blessed with being able to play with people like Joe Allen before, John Obi McKell before, Sam Klukas before, and even though they've been out of form, he's been playing them, and sometimes you just got to know when to drop them and trust the youth sometimes, and he will get there, I'm sure, and he is moulding more to that as the season goes on. Um, but yeah, un- until we do that, playoffs for me, it's, it's going to be tough. I think it's just come too soon for us. and But then... You know, next season should be good. Some some good teams are going to go up this year. Uh, my predictions is going to be Norwich, Swansea, and then possibly you guys. You, you know, I think you're going to be either in the automatics or certainly in the playoffs, and you're going to be a strong contender in there. Um, the, but I think teams like Barnsley, you know, they they overtaken us tonight. As I record this, they could leapfrog us into the uh, the playoff places. Bournemouth are a strong team in there. Watford are a strong team in there. Reading had such a blistering start that you know we're we're gonna have to be the best of the rest going into the end of the season, and I can't see that happening as we are so inconsistent. Um, which teams have impressed me this season? I mean, Barnsley. I just mentioned from nearly being relegated last season, they they've stormed us all. I think this season they've been fantastic, and I genuinely think that they could make the playoffs which I, I don't think anybody would have had a bet on at the start of the season. Um, Reading as well had such an excellent start, you know, being being way too clinical for their own good. Uh, but they managed to carry that on and keep the momentum going, a bit like maybe Sheffield United did in the Premier League last season. And it's it's just nice to see different teams around there. But that is the madness of the Championship, as we know. Teams that have been worse than I expected... Derby, I think is a good one. Nottingham Forest, after they made a playoff push last season, had a terrible season. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday had that big points deduction, but have never recovered since. Um, it it's it's been a real 
even though the table is quite tight this season relatively, there's some teams that, that have just completely thrown away their chance of capitalising on it this season and I'm thankful that Stoke haven't been one of them this time. Um, in, in club news though, Ryan Shawcross has left the club after 14 years where there's 10 of those being captain and in the Premier League, which is astounding really. I don't think there is a player at a club at the moment other than the likes of maybe Messi who can can boast that you know there, there, there really aren't many players like Ryan Shawcross out there in the modern game and it, it's a it's the end of an era for Stoke it's genuinely the end of a really uh, over the last 14-15 years Stoke fans have been blessed with so much Wembley Europe promotion to the Premier League uh, beating Liverpool 6-1 uh, just, 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 just so many fantastic memories. So many great players, and Shawcross was the heart of everything good of that. Um, seeing him go, I've not been a Stoke fan without Ryan Shawcross being there. So it's going to be really weird not having him there, and I'm sure it's going to be weird for some of the players at the club again who will have not joined Stoke and Shawcross not being there. So someone's going to have to step up and take the captain's role. Um, one of those, if I'm talking about players who talk out for for Stoke this season, could be the likes of Harry Souter, who has been fantastic at centre-back. Last season, we were struggling with ageing centre-backs. I'm talking about the likes of Danny Bart, um, James Chester. Shawcross was dropping in there from time to time. But we've had players like Ashley Williams at the back as well. And we've, we've, we've not benefited from um, having the older guys in there. Harry Souter's come in. At 22 years old and he's been fantastic not only is he uh, a good ball distributor uh, a really good tackler a really clever defender but he's a big lad he's athletic and it's nice to have something different in there and you never know he signed a long-term deal with us recently he he may well be the captain material going forward that Shawcross was when he got it at 23 and held on to it for 10 years so Suiters one to look out for. Obviously, the strike partnership recently of Stephen Fletcher and Nick Powell have been doing really well as well. So they're certainly something to look out for if they're on form, which they weren't against Barnsley, which is the game that I've watched tonight. We were awful, um, and I. This is where I start to look into the game with you guys because even though your form has been great. Um, I don't know what the score has been this week, midweek for you, but I know before that it was three losses in three. And but you you are an an, an excellent team, you know. I'm sure you're missing um, Ivan Tony up front. That must be a massive loss. But then you've got a, a, a fantastic squad in there, and we're we're not in great form. We're really not. I know we picked up in the last couple of games and we've looked better, but. Having seen what happened tonight against Barnsley when it really mattered, you know, we had a chance to really claim a playoff push place and we didn't take it. It's really disappointing and I think this is a time where we're going to get picked apart by you guys. I know in previous seasons <laughs> uh, we, we've not done you the best of favours. I know that we sort of derailed uh, or, or played a part in your derailment for automatic promotion uh, last season and I, I think we got one over you at the start of the season this year as well so yeah looking into this game you're going to want revenge and I realise that and you, I, I think you're probably going to get Stoke with a pants caught down and yeah it's a real shame because 
I think if we'd have won against Barnsley, this would have been a real marker to go, you know what, if we can stand up and be proud against Brentford, a team like you who are, who, <laughs> I know that people say teams like Brentford usually in a bad way, but teams like Brentford in this sense, we're looking at you and going, we, we, we should be beating you if we are looking to be in contention for promotion via the playoffs and I can't see that for us at the moment score prediction <laughs> it's Stoke so usually I go with a draw or something like that I'm not going to this time I'm going to have to go for a Stoke loss and say 2-0 that's really bad for me to stay from a Stoke point of view but we've, we've not been good enough for me to go yes we can take the game to Brentford um, we beat two average size in Sheffield uh, Wednesday of course and Luton Town we need a, a performance against one of the big guys IU before I can even begin to predict a win or even a draw against somebody like that so I think it's going to be revenge is sweet for you guys and I can see it being the the reboot, the restart of your promotion campaign and you know, following the game after that, all the best to you I hope you do get promoted it was a shame that you missed out last season I thought that you were one of the best teams in the league and deserved to get promoted uh, it's just a shame you fell at the final hurdle really um, but then, you know I hope that for our sake we get one of you at the weekend so I don't wish you too much luck over the weekend but all, all the rest for the best of the season going forwards I hope to see you in a stadium next season, um, although that would mean that you're probably in the same division as us in the championship, but either way, um, I wish you well, I hope you're safe, I hope that you're optimistic with being able to go back and see your team next season as much as I am, um, but in the meantime, enjoy the rest of the season, stay safe, and enjoy the game on Saturday. So there you go, Ben Rowley from the wide, wide, wide files. Good bloke, Ben. Knows his stuff. Loves his stoke. And like I said to you, he, he, he knows that they're kind of like, they could be there, but every time they're almost going to get there, they just don't quite do it. It's kind of, almost like reminds us of Brentford a couple of seasons ago again. Like, you know, they've got the potential, they've got the manager, but they kind of keep fluffing it. But they, <laughs> they don't fluff it when they play us. So we need to do a few things against them on Saturday. Don't we, guys? Um, yeah, I think I think um, it's the, the, there's sort of there's this belief out there, and we we spoke between us about this a bit earlier, but it, about how you know the easiest thing to do against us is just to press us, and I'm sure Stoke will probably do that to some extent, and we saw that from Sheffield Wednesday tonight as well. Um, but it's a question of how well you do it and how long you can do it for, as to how effective it is against us. I find it really interesting that you know after we uh, scored the first goal. Wednesday decided to, to start pressing us and I, no, I noted it when I was watching it with Robin um, which then in turn had a knock-on effect with, with the chances we were creating that um, maybe if Tony was in the position rather than Bremo I think Bremo had a really good run at it uh, but we started playing him through the channels and you know there were a couple of opportunities when he could have played it one way or the other or he was offside a few times but that press that, that Wednesday decided to put on after conceding then opened up a whole new uh, pitch for us to start playing in, which brought our passing game back. Yeah, I was going to say I'm, I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy if teams press us if it's not their natural game. You know, I, I think that the challenge with Barnsley and the like is that's what they do for a living. 
uh, and they do it well. But I think if teams are going to adapt and kind of have a false press against us, uh, which isn't natural to their style or their players' strengths, um, as Ed says, I think that gives us great opportunity to, to get beyond that and, and play in the space behind it. And I think that that showed, um, particularly after the first goal today. Yeah, I, I also think that f- um, for tonight, especially Janelt was exceptional tonight. He worked his socks off, off the ball, to make himself available when, when the press was put on us. And um, I really thought he, it was really noticeable tonight. We know what we normally see from Yana is he's charging around, he's kicking people, winning the ball. But tonight he was making himself available, um, and um, and that's something we need to roll on because we are going to face this press. I know we've talked about it previously and stuff, but Yana is playing himself into to how, how can you not pick him? Um, and with Norgard coming back, it's it's really interesting how he, Thomas Frank's going to find a role to play both of them. Um, or, or one of them, or you know, who, what's the question there? Who, who's going to start? Because he, he's just he's just delivering performances week after week. I, th- I think um, if Norgard's back, and he's supposed to be back imminently, but then I've been hearing that for weeks, and say he's back Saturday, I think it's a rotation with Jan out to get him match fit again before he gets going. Then we worry about it a few weeks down the line, to be honest. And, and, and there was a talk as well, as, as Yenelt said, that when he signed for Brentford, he was signed as a number eight as well. So it, there is a situation where is that, you know, we, we haven't seen him play in that role as such because he's had to play in, in the Norgard position. So it would be quite interesting to see actually what he does um, if he has to play in that, in, in that role, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, it will. And, um, and whether he can usurp, you know, say Jensen or, or Godos, I suppose, were the two that played further up the pitch tonight. Um, or not, we'll, we'll we'll see. My my gut feeling is we're still a few weeks away from having to worry about it. Um, he's he's very 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 good as a holding midfielder, just as Norgard is. Stoke City are good at attacking down the wings, uh, coming back from losing positions, so we don't want to go behind. And they're good in the air, aerial duels. Um, with the weaknesses though, they're very weak at defending against uh, through ball attacks, and also very weak against defending against skillful players. So their style of play, uh, crosses, like loads and loads of crosses. They take their first 11, so they change their team a lot, and also they're very aggressive. Now, interestingly, they played Barnsley tonight. They lost 2-0, and obviously you know, we know what Barnsley are like. I haven't seen the match myself, because obviously we're recording straight after the match here, but they lost 2-0, you know, and looking at that game, you know, um, the strengths and weaknesses, Barnsley, they stole the ball a lot from the opposition. So they, they nicked the ball off Stoke a lot. You know, they created a lot of goal-scoring opportunities from long-shot opportunities. They also created goal-scoring opportunities from set pieces as well, and they're good at finishing. You know, um, Stoke City, you know, they, 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 they stole the ball from the opposition a lot and they created goal-scoring opportunities from set pieces as well. But they're poor at finishing, they lost possession a lot and they're caught offside a lot. You know, basically their style was attacking down the left and also a lot of long balls. So I might be wrong, but it doesn't sound like Stoke are going to be the, the major league pressing side that we've seen that Barnsley are, does it? I don't think they're going to be a Barnsley. I think Barnsley are probably as good as anybody are at it at, in this league. I, I am trying to recall how much Stoke do it. Um, I mean, they got Fletcher up front. He's not particularly mobile. Um, he's not. He's probably a stronger version of Rhodes, I would say. You know, and he's caused us a lot of trouble. So let's not. I'm not sort of calling him out as a bad player. He's an effective player that we've had trouble, you know, controlling before. Um, whether he's going to run around, you know, 
stopping us pressing. I, I, my recollection is last time we played Stoke, they did work bloody hard against us. We kind of know what they are. I mean, the thing about it is that what, for me, what I remember about Stoke City, you know, it's not about the pressing, it's about they were really organised. Um, we were, you know, they're good in the air. I remember that as well. Um, it was at that time where we were, you know, we were basically, we just, we couldn't get anything. And also it looked like we just run out, say run out of steam a little bit, but we just need a little bit of a break, a little bit of luck, luck. But Stoke, who were at that time, I think they were either relegation threat or they just, the previous match had just come out of relegation so they could relax a little bit, but they just didn't give us an inch. They just worked really hard for the full 90 minutes. And I think that kind of like, let's say caught us out, but that really, really, you know that, that that troubled us at the time so for us obviously we're a different team this season than we were last season um we, 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 we're good at sort of grinding out results and grinding out wins but also it's interesting what you're talking about Fletcher there as well um the Allard because you know Fletcher not necessarily mobile but he's a good player but now we've got Winston Reid it may be a different scenario because teams recently have been, you know, they've been beating us by basically just lobbing the ball in the area and just causing a bit of mayhem, haven't they? Yeah, I was thinking that, you know, it'll be it'll be another challenge for Reed, but I'm hoping it's a challenge that he'll be able to, you know, that he'll be able to stand up to because I because you know we say he's good in the air. We talked about how good he was in the air tonight. He, he won more or less everything in the air, um, and um, and and it feels like he should be able to hopefully handle Fletcher um, give us something a bit more physical at the back that maybe is where we struggled against Fletcher in recent years yeah I think um, the ball's lumped in some little I mean back to the XG on tonight you know, the more I think about the game the more chances I can remember Wednesday having actually um, which makes that figure seem quite low and there were still a fair few balls in the box that caused us chaos uh, which is where I was going with that you know a couple of Misclearances and um, one that went through the legs, as you say, and one where the guy had made the wrong decision. So I think we're still susceptible uh, to that, but we're getting better. I mean, I think the, the Stoke game earlier, they, they, they called us out clearly. We had a bad day. Well, we certainly had a bad first half. Um, we got better in the second half, I recall. Um, and I think pulled a goal back, didn't we? And, um, you know, looked like we might snatch something late. But um, tonight's result is massively important for that isn't it yeah, it just it just breaks that cycle um, and we'll go there now in probably in the same move we would have done three or four games ago well four games ago um, you know full of confidence and a team in second looking to consolidate and, and move up and I think that mindset is as important to us as actually what we do on the pitch because I think even with our um, you know slightly different team tonight we actually look quite decent throughout the pitch really um, there were some poor decisions and some poor passing but you could see that the quality's there and hopefully Saturday we'll, we'll pick back up where we were tonight with a bit more confidence and crack on Yeah weirdly I think the, the, the mindset of, of having Reed in and stuff weirdly the injury to Rico of allowing to bring Winston Reed in moving Pinnock back to his more natural side of centre-back and Sorensen filling in the left-back might give us a little bit more defensive stability of the nervous of taking crosses as we've been susceptible in the past few weeks. So as much as the blow of Rico is, I think maybe having Pinnock at his more central centre-back role um, and, and reading there in, in almost the Pontus role of an experienced centre-back is it might be quite helpful. It, it gives us more height as well, doesn't it? You know, um, and to be honest, just defending set pieces and stuff like that, you've got one extra, one extra tall bloke. 
Yeah, no, it was a tall, it was a tall back four tonight. I mean, I, I was talking earlier about it. I mean, I do think people should have some sympathy for Sorensen that it's always oh, Pinnock's playing on the wrong side. You know, that's hard for Pinnock, but it's also hard for Sorensen as his partner when Pinnock's playing on the wrong side. You know, because it does affect him as well. Where you know that the person he's playing alongside isn't naturally in that position. Um, so I don't, I don't think we've got bad players there at all. I think we've got to get the combination right. Um, and you know, as a board you were with before, having that partnership is. Um, is key to that where it's not necessarily the best player it's the best partnership in there and yeah we've seen that with Pontus we've seen that with Tony Craigs and the people with the experience and I'm hoping that Reed will be that person ready for the rest of the season and R- R- Roslev is kind of secretly picking up minutes as well because they're, they're taking Dalsgaard off towards the end of the games and he's picking up minutes at right back there as well which will be hugely important to him for experience and in the in the running um, just having an idea of, of what, how it feels to come off the bench against you know really really good level championship teams and, and secretly he's just picking up more minutes and more minutes which is good to see Just talking about this Stoke City game again though just looking at it uh, listen we've had a great result today um, we know that Stoke are going to be more combative as it is. You know, the midfield is going to be very, very important. You know, they've got players, they've got McLean, you know, they've got, you know, Cousins, they've got Sam Klukas, they've got Brown. You know, they've got basically, you know, they've got a midfield there, which, you know, they can, <laughs> they like a bit of a battle as well. Like McLean is, uh, he likes a bit of a, he, he likes to get stuck in as well, as does Brown as well, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just wondering how not confident are you going into that match against the midfield who we know is going to be up for a bit of a battle? Uh, M- McLean didn't play tonight, is he? was he suspended? I don't know, actually. I don't, Hopefully a little bit injured. I don't, I don't know. You know. Um, it'll be a battle. I mean, you know, we. to be honest, I, I thought Jensen went missing again tonight at times. Um, I thought, you know, we, there were times when I was wondering if he, if, if he was on the pitch. I know when we control games, he's a beautiful passer of the ball. Um, but when it's a when it's a punch up, um, you sometimes need a bit more in there. So yeah, it, and I think sometimes that's where we come unstuck against Stoke. I think they are physically a very very strong side. So so who would you put in the midfield? Well, the, the problem is is that is that we, it's not really the way we set up. We set up with a holding midfielder and two attacking midfielders. Um, the attacking midfielders historically have never been able to tackle much, and and that's carried that's been that's carried on into this season just as it has been for the last three or four years. Um, so so is there you know this this might be a game if Norgard and Janelt were both fit. This might be the sort of game where you would consider starting them both. Um, I don't think that's going to happen Saturday though. I don't think we'll have that luxury. One of the big the big things I think you know I, I I think the directors of football and Frank they all have this this belief in Hodos that we're yet to see yet. I mean he contributed another goal tonight. But one thing I I think he does bring is uh, is, is a high press. He pushes and presses a lot. Um, so that that's something to consider when playing against a, a Stoke midfield that he can. He does get around. He turns after he presses someone. He'll make it at the angle and turn back and press towards the man with the ball, and puts that effort in. Yeah, he's 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 definitely a different type. He's different to I would say he's got a bit more about him than Jensen in in that respect. Um, I still think he's got quite a way to go before he really settles into a into a good championship midfield. Um, but but you know, again tonight, I thought he had a reasonable game. Definitely. So listen, Stoke City coming down to well New Griffin Park. Go around the table here. Score prediction. The Allard. Oh, you come to me first. Um, I'm gonna. I, I think we're gonna 
I, I think we're going to carry on with this win. I think the, the Norwich game is the one to really worry about. So come on, let's. let's well, I think it'll be tight. I think I'm going to go one nil beats. The headwood. Um, I think it'll be a tight game as well, but I think we're going to have a bit too much. So I'm going to go two nil bees. And then Ashman. I'll take what's left. Two one Brentford. Um, I, I think if we carry on and in, improve, we will have too much for Stoke. Um, yeah, two one bees. Bill, what's your score prediction? Just, just, just relax a little bit. Just, <laughs> just, just thinking about it. I'm not sure whether I should negotiate between you or I should just go straight. Two, I said, I said two one. I'm going to go two one to the mighty, mighty bees as it is. So listen, this is the besotted pride of West London podcast. Thanks everyone for supporting us on Kofi besotted.com forward slash beer. We will give you shout outs and everything like that, but much appreciated as you can hear. The sound is much, much more beautiful as we are sitting here in the virtual joints chatting away to you. But listen, great result today against Sheffield Wednesday. Fingers crossed we've got to do it again on Saturday. The, the, games, the games are ticking down at the moment now, aren't they? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like 15, then 14, then 13. And we've got a big game coming up against Norwich on Wednesday. So we need a result against Stoke City so we can go into that game very, very confident. But like I said, I'm Billy Grant here and I'm sitting here in the joint here with the Allard. Yeah, well, just, um, just a good night to you or... Uh... And us, we'll we'll catch up soon. And I'm expecting that if we if we don't win on Saturday, you'll have me and Dutch on straight away again because we guarantee the wins. And the headwood. It's been lovely to be back, and uh, I'm glad we come in with a lovely result tonight. Up the bees. And the Dutchman. Two two last points, if I may, Billy. One, listening to Matt whispering as his family's asleep, it just reminds me of listening to John Peel back in the day under my pillow, his warm tones. Uh, which is quite nice. And uh, the second point is we've gone through a whole Sheffield Wednesday review without once saying Barry Bannon's bollocks. So if I may just, <laughs> for, for the record, just get that out there. Um, That's right. And leave you on that. That's right. We'll leave, mm-hmm. On that note, we should leave it all. But as we can say, we need the points on Saturday, as we say. Come on, you bees. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.